you like two guys, but you can't make it work to have both of them on your roster. What do you do? How do you sort that out? What factors do you need to consider? Tonight, we answer that and guide you through similar starting pitchers who weren't killing it in 2021 to decide where to place your bets for 2022 and beyond. It's time for dingers. This is dingers. Way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Blake Snell that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live the straight up OG lifestyle. Joined again, as usual, by Robbie from the Murder Den. What's up, Robbie? How you doing, buddy? I'm good. We match uh, Blue Jay hats and red shirts. Fun for anybody watching. Are we live streaming? I think so. Something. It, yeah, I mean, I think it, we're live. It says live. It says live. It blinks. <laughs> we're recording at the very least. Um, but yeah, uh, I was just complaining to you before we started about my truck, my truck life and how I'm struggling to buy, you know, like a 40-year-old truck and whatever. But how are you? How's your life? It is an absolute show right now. Between Ooh, Travel opening, travel closing, travel opening and closing together at the same time. It's just, a, it's a wild chaos of nothingness. Like Canada's making my life so hard. It's not even funny. Yeah, um, I understand. And the holiday season, everybody, yeah. every depending on when it, people are listening to this, everybody may be in uh, travel mode or whatever. I know there's two days left of school for the Ontario children. And um, then the, yeah potential mega breakouts um sports all getting canceled across the board so we'll see yeah well they went to the capacity thing today so to me it says that they're going to limit it to that as a blowback um i think this is as far as it'll go i mean at some point we have to move forward and like this thing's only doing so much like actual you know damage and it's it's at some point we have to recognize that it's it's a virus it's here to stay and we got to move forward, all right? I mean, everyone's been very critical of the Americans uh, over the last 10 months up here. Uh, I think it's time that we make that leap because no one is is really falling deathly ill uh, in our neck of the woods, and we need to we need to get over that. Well, we don't want to get tagged on this, so let's let's move on. Tag us. Um, Hashtag COVID-19. Do it. <laughs> no, thank Hit us up at no. DiggersPod on Twitter. <laughs> Oh my God, that's the first time you've done the the Twitter for the podcast and it's to get a hashtag COVID-19. Oh no. Bring it. Yeah. Um, well, tonight, Ty, we are going to be dividing like the 100th Meridian because I was listening to Tragically Hip beforehand. Um, we, are, we are going with similar type starting pitchers as we've been leaking um, through my account, at Robbie Baseball One on Twitter, uh, I've been doing polls. You know, would you prefer this guy or this guy for for 2022 and beyond? Um, we're going to discuss some of those guys. So we've got like 
you know, anyone who basically was not as good as they were supposed to be in 2021, as we let off the top with, um, we're going to talk about them. And some of the guys had decent lines by the time it was all over, but their ranking was very poor. And that's, you know, that that's because depending on the system you use, you know, Trevor Bauer, Ty, I think finished 77th in Yahoo because he was really good and then just stopped playing because of the suspension. Um, so he is he's blocking, you know, a whole bunch of other people who are all behind him, who put in twice the innings and all these things. Um, but ideally, we're trying to find guys to bet on next year between these two. And as Ty and I were talking beforehand, we might actually agree on some of these, which I mean, we'll see how many. Um, <laughs> but we're going to go through. And uh, as per the huge, uh, we we start we're starting off with a Toronto pitcher, but I don't know if. Before that, and we want to start off with what I need to get into tonight. A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. Uh, Ty, I don't know if you saw that, but I just, I've got my, some of my DVDs here and I, oh, I saw it. yeah, I have come across the, the fast and furious that I'm currently watching. They are all available on Canadian Netflix right now. Um, so I just finished watching three fast, three furious Tokyo drift, um, because I'm really big into the Asian markets, as you know, Ty, the, the KBO, <laughs> uh, and, and other things, but, um, I think it has the best ending of any Fast and Furious. Are you at all interested in that movie franchise? Not even a little bit outside of the song in Tokyo Drift, which is excellent. Yeah, the dun, 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 dun. Yeah, okay. That could be 50. I don't think that's the one, but. Oh, really? Well, the first three. The version that you just did is not the one. I think everyone listening was like, he got it. He nailed it. Yeah. There, there's tasting. some poor soul that, as you mentioned earlier, is driving to a family Christmas. Everyone's sleeping in the car, and he's just got miserable road ahead of him. And you just made it worse with that. Well, I don't have the instrument to do it, but um, a fun fact with the with the Fast and Furious franchise so far: three, again, three episodes in or three movies in. Um, you had Ja Rule in the first one, then you had uh, Ludacris in the second one, and then Bow Wow is in the third. All the prominent uh, rappers in it, but I don't think a Bow Wow song was in. Whereas no. there was like a lot of Ja Rule in the first one and a lot of Luda in the second one. Um, and there is like a prelude between the first and the second one, or I think that's what it is first and the second one that I remember watching once, thanks to DVDs. But again, enough about that because we all know the greatest movie franchise is The Mighty Ducks. So let's move on. Um, Ty, first up, Hunjin Ryu with Toronto versus the less sexy Nola, Aaron Nola of Philadelphia. How are you doing, Ellen Adair? Um, Ty, they were both disappointing this year for different reasons. But did you know that Hunjin Ryu had a career high starts this year? 31. I did not know that. That is yeah. that, that slipped by me, definitely. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting one because I think overall, like where they're at in their careers, Nola is still close to the prime here. Um, yep. I, I think just by default of the strikeout power, I, I'm going to go with Nola. 
I, okay. I do expect Ryu to bounce back. Um, I think although the starts were high, the inning count was low. So I think yes. he'll have a little bit more in the hmm. tank for next year, which is why I like Ryu for a bounce back. I still think he's a buy, a better buy than Nola because Nola still has the – he could be an ace. Like He's an yes. ace like twice a year when he strikes out like the first 12 batters and he gets on that <laughs> run. Like when he gets into that slot, he's the best pitcher in baseball, but that happens like twice a year and that's it. So, I mean, I, I, I like both these guys, but if you had to, if I had to pick one, I'm going Nola. Yeah. And, and I agree with you on that one. And a lot of that for me is the fact that the division that Nola is in, although the Mets are doing good things and Atlanta won the world series, uh, there's a higher opportunity for Philly to, um, let's see, what is the best way to say for Philly to be successful with Aaron Nola than there is for Toronto to be successful in spite of Hunjin Ryu. Cause Hunjin Ryu is going to need to, um, at this moment, because we don't know exactly what's up with the bullpen. So we got to say it is going to need to get into games deeper. Not that we know Aaron, Aaron Nola and Philly have this like stacked bullpen. Um, but the AL beast is back. And even with Baltimore punting, and I don't know. Tampa Bay is just so, so damn good. The The Yankees are a powerful offense. Boston is going to be better and they're getting some pitching depth. Um, it's, it just seems like it's going to be tough to say, oh, Ryu's going to win 12 games next year. You know, like what did he get this past year for wins here? He had Eight, 14. He had 14 wins. He had 14 wins. I was going to say he tied 19. Yeah, he had 14 wins, which he's done four times in his career and 10 losses. I don't think you can pencil that in for next year. I don't think you can pencil 12 in for next year because he had, they were hot in April, right? And they had a, he had a really weak finish to his season. Um, and the strikeouts have never been the thing, which is again, one of the reasons why I would give the nod just like you did to Nola. So for, for us, the dingers nod of approval is Aaron Nola. Uh, fun. how did I miss 14 wins? Like, how did I miss that? You'll, there's a couple other dudes here who, uh, as we go through, have like a shocking number of wins. But when you look at it, having a 14 and 10 record, the 10 losses tells me more than the 14 wins. Well, here, Brett here's Cecil one the, has won 14 but, games. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Here's one of the things, though, like just as a note for bounce back, like one, two, two whip in what we all think was an awful season. Right. right. And, and it was by a lot of standards. Right. It was. But a one, two, two whip with 14 wins like that's a bounce back candidate because his career stats, contact rate, et cetera, are better. And I think we'll see that next year. But I will say this. I do think next year will be his last good season that I will say at, at age 34. That's that's totally it, fair. I mean, 100%. we've seen the regression. So let's yeah. go to a fun, exciting one, because I did try to mix and match with like youth and vets and all sorts of things. So next up, we go to Miami. For Jesus Lazardo versus Sixto Sanchez. Wow, woo, wee, woo. Um, yeah, who who do you like here, Ty? I, I feel like these are both guys you like. It is both guys I like, but I'm going to go Sixto because he's just better. Um, okay. If you have a chance to buy Sixto in any format for next season, you should be buying him. He is the, easily the most underrated prospect on the pitcher side that you can come up with. And, and this is a guy that one year removed was probably number one on a lot right. of boards. Right. And so that's just how far he's fallen. Like he's off of people's radars unnecessarily. He's that good. And he might have a bit of a slow start because they'll, they'll ramp his innings up. Um, 
there's a small chance he starts in the minors to get some innings. But at the same time, he will help you when the season matters later in the year. And obviously, if you're in a dynasty format, he's going to help you for the foreseeable future, given a healthy track record. I think Lazardo is going to be, you know, kind of in that late bloomer Giolito style, like Renaissance, where he has one more season of poor effort. Um, but you start to see the glimpses. You start to say, wait a second, this, get, this kid's figuring it out. Um, and I think the following season is really where he'll shine. So you're looking at a 2023 next off yeah. season is when you're, I, so yeah. There's gonna be a couple of people that get super excited about Lazardo this year. They're going to jack him way up. I love him. Don't get me wrong. Like now's the time to get in on him. But I do, if you're picking these two guys, who's going to produce more this year, I'll go Sixto. And, okay. and if Lazardo beats to, to the post, the good for him, but he's capable of it. But I do think Sixto is the better pitcher. Okay, so we are going to talk about a former Miami pitcher later on in this episode that um, this situation directly, I think, involved or was part of the reason why he was traded because of the depth within the Marlins organization. And picking up Lizardo was a great move for Miami. And and like these are just some simple, basic results things here, Ty. In 17, uh, Lizardo had a 166 ERA in 18, a 288 and 19, a 251, as well as what was it a, in Oakland when he first broke in a 150 ERA. And then in 2020 in 59 innings, 412 ERA, uh, 59 strikeouts and 59 innings. That's like perfect rookie break in. But then last year, oh man, it was ugly. A 652 ERA, only 26 Ks, only 29 innings um, with Oakland and then traded to Miami. He had in 57 innings, 58 Ks, and a terrible 644 ERA. Something was wrong. Like whether it was like delivery, something like he's he's clearly has had a change, and that's why the results have varied. Or sorry, not not uh, varied. That's why the results have altered so much. I think he could very well be a light switch guy where yeah. he gets that little coaching tip, something goes on with the offseason for him, and all of a sudden, boom, he's dialed in. I agree this is the offseason to get him. Um, and I don't want to move off Sixo Sanchez because I, I agree with you. He's got a lot of ceiling, but I'm going to put my chips in Jesus Lazardo because I think Sixto Sanchez, especially if you don't have either, if you're not currently rostering either, Sixto Sanchez is going to have a higher value and demand more in trade. And Lazardo, I think you can absolutely sneak onto your roster. So I'm picking him because I think he's just going to fit better. Um, but if we're going by who could be the best pitcher over the next three, four years, I agree with you that it could be Sixto Sanchez because he might get the the hop off this year. What are you, well, what are you it, showing us here? The I, I technology. Just, this is, yeah, this is a little, little glimpse here. I don't know why it's all uh, weird on our screen, but... Just for uh, anyone who doesn't know, you're always welcome to join in the live stream. Um, and Ty is using the technology to yeah, we'll, do, we'll do this. We'll just go there we go. Show that in there. Yeah, to so show guy, some pitch mixes, this. right? This is all fancy, huh? Um, so if you take a look here for his fastball, like he got beat up big time this year uh on the fastball and the sinker. So like you see the batting average is 337 and 348 against the fastball sinker. Uh, but previous year, 215 against the fastball. So the sinker seems to be the pitch that he should probably drop. Um, I think with his stuff, honestly, uh, a cutter would would fit really, really well into that <clears throat> profile. You and um, your cutters. I love cutters. They're such an underappreciated pitch. Have you but, looked into uh, the screwball? 
yes. But but the big thing here for me is the fastball is up. Like the, you can see the heat map has a tendency to be up and in, and he's really missing away um, to, to the lefties and inside of the righties. So that's not always a good thing because it leaks to the middle. Now, if this was down in here and his middle, his miss was down middle, there's a lot more fly balls to be found there. Um, but up here, there's a lot more line drives. And so that's, I think, really one of the big things he would have experienced this year. So I think there's room for improvement, but it's going to come down to that fastball command. And that's why I think he's a year away. Because it, it's one thing, like if you're tipping a pitch or something like that, you're right, you can you can fix it. And, and there might be some tipping here. Right. But I really think this is more about fastball command. And you hear me talk about this all the time with a lot of guys. Oh, uh-oh. Did Ty just leave? Um, he may have just technologied himself right out of this. So I will transition because I'm sure he's going to come back. He came back, everybody. Um, you just I thought he was a gunner. You just, yeah, you just needed a quick break. <laughs> what I was going to say, Ty, was the fact that he's got four pitches and he throws them all fairly consistently. Um, he might have an issue where his arm angle is giving away what he's up to a little bit, especially when you get into the advanced MLB scouting. And if he's going to stick up and stick with Miami and they're going to just keep throwing him out there SP five every fifth day, he might be one of the guys who has to like work through, you know, correcting that and making sure that every time he's throwing the slider and the changeup, his arm is staying in that same slot for as long as it possibly can. Um, either way, I think Lazardo as a buy low and Sixto Sanchez as a prospect buy low. Um, I, I got to assume that these guys are both lows. They're not rising up the rankings everywhere. They're both smart acquisitions either way. Um, we can talk about two guys next who could both be terrible. Well, where acquisitions. Did, you, did you lose me before I got to the location part? I don't know where I cut myself off. Uh, you, you were talking about getting, uh, you know, success, no, not sorry, not success. Yeah, you were talking about pitching on the inside uh, and losing, what was it, change-ups, sliders to lefties? Yeah, well, I mean, the big thing for me with him, and I, the reason I think he's a year away is just because I think he's he's command away. And command doesn't just change. Command takes a little bit of time to refine. So I think one more year for him is where I was going with that. And I think um, I think it's it's because of the control and, and nothing else. Okay, so the next two guys up, as I just said, both could be guys you just want nothing to do with. Both could be the reason your team gets into the playoffs, not necessarily the reason they're going to do any damage. Patrick Corbin with Washington and Matt Boyd, currently free agent, former Detroit Tiger. Um, both lefties. Boyd is a K guy. The ERA is just, I don't know what. It's like he's pitching in Colorado and they only have one outfielder. I don't know the best way to explain how Matt Boyd's ERA just skyrockets. But it's also like Matt Boyd just became a fantasy darling two, three years ago. And people just refuse to say, you know what? He's just bad. You know, everybody <laughs> wants to see the potential and they forget about the results. Because that's one thing that we do talk a lot about is when you're trying to figure out the best way to decipher pitcher A versus pitcher B, um, what are some things? And, and we always say, well, like results do count. You can get into the X stats, which we made a big deal of last offseason. Um, if people want to go crazy with the X stats, that's that's their prerogative. But those are probably guys uh, doing a lot of damage with in-season moves, right? Because they have to wait and see results. And 
the results when you're trying to use X fit or sorry, um, X stats as well as projections are you're counting on other people's intuition instead of your own and doing your own research. So for us, you know, you can say Patrick Corbin was pretty bad. <laughs> Patrick Corbin could be done, could be over the hill, or you can start to look at some of the other factors that aren't X stat related as we do um, and see the fact that, well, Washington's going to keep putting them as long as he's with Washington. He's going to keep going out every fifth day. Uh, he's going to have some interesting matchups. So, you know, you never know what's going to be up with that Mets lineup. Uh, uh, what's he going to get? He's going to get Philly. He's, you know, he's got a tough, tough division to pitch within. And then with Boyd, there's a lot of questions where he goes, you know, and, and when he does go, is he going to be there for one year or is he going to get himself a multi-year deal for, you know, whatever, seven, eight million a year tied? Well, I think for you me like. I think for me, both of them have to be in a different location. Like Boyd's obviously going to end up somewhere else. Um, and I need to see where he's going to be before I really want to hang my hat there. Yep. Um, but I think Corbin's only really valuable to me uh, based on where he's probably going to end up in a draft if he's not in Washington, because I need those wins. I need to find him in a spot where he's on a competitive team and he's going to get that hinge in Ryu season that we just talked about, uh, you know, 12 to 14 wins reasonable amount of strikeouts right that's what we want from patrick corbin he's not going to go out and win 20 in washington that's for sure um so for me i need corbin to be somewhere else otherwise like as long as boyd has a starting spot i, I like boyd i think his numbers okay. his numbers indicate like and i know you just dumped on the x stats but yeah i, I like to look at batting average as, an, as a bit of an indicator for some of the other things he didn't really give up a ton of home runs right so that's the one big thing for me is he didn't get rocked. Um, and in his batting average uh, expected is below in almost every pitch. Uh, so to me, I think there's room for improvement. I do think Detroit was a little hasty here, uh, given they had no problem giving money to a second baseman that plays shortstop. Um, <laughs> oh, also Eduardo Rodriguez, who when you get into the uh, X stats, he is an X stat darling. Uh, everything for him, you know, XFIT, uh, what was it? ER, is, is ERA looks, what was it? A run and something. There was a big run differential, or sorry, ERA uh, differential between him. Um, but yeah. I think XFIP is what you're looking for. XFIP to ERA? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't have my sheets. So that's the defensive metric one. So. Okay. So yeah. So he, he was one of those guys as well who did it. Um, but for me, I can, I can very easily look at, Patrick Corbin's 2020 line and see that in 65 innings, he had a 466 ERA, which again is not great 60 Ks and then look at his 2021 and see, okay, he had um, 171 and two thirds innings with 13 quality starts. The ERA sucked at 582. That is not doing you any favors, but 143 Ks with nine wins on a very crappy Washington team. Yes. He had 16 losses. So it's very, um, it's not point league friendly, but it is. Yep. It, it does, if you don't have negative stats, so if you're not counting losses, then Patrick Corbin is far more serviceable than um, a guy like, like Boyd might be. But Boyd, again, can absolutely dominate him in Ks and be well over a K per inning. And that could be the big difference. Um, for me, I'm going to say I like the fact that Patrick Corbin is going to start every day. Right now, it looks like it's going to be in Washington where wins will be a little hard to come by. But um, Boyd could end up in Colorado. Yeah. So, well, I was actually just going to say that I actually think that would be an awesome landing spot for him. Um, I, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, he doesn't give up a ton of home runs, right? So we've like, always talked I, about Stroman I, there too, right? How that would have been fun. Yeah. 
but there's a lot of soft contact on on Boyd, and that's partly why he had a rough season last year. Um, you know that amongst a couple other things, but that was an that was a part of that that train wreck. So if you put him in uh, Colorado, which is going to be full of a bunch of young guys that can run and probably theoretically play defense, um, you know it, it could be a good mix, and it'll cost nothing. Like whoever signs Boyd is going to pay nothing. So. I don't think there's a ton to lose for Colorado and they're looking for pitchers on a one-year deal. So why not? Okay. So we'll say, you know, you're going Boyd, I'm going Corbin. Here's the next one. And we did this uh, as a Twitter poll last night as well. And uh, it was Steven Matz of the, Oh, I put the Mets on the show notes. Silly me, uh, which he hasn't played for in two years of St. Louis, where he signed a four-year deal versus John Gray. Now of Texas. And Ty, the reason I did this was because they are so close in results over the last three years, like not just innings pitch, which were within 10, I believe, but strikeout totals, ERA, like all of the results were so close that it's such a great comparison over three years to say, who's the guy that you want? And two to one, we had, what was it? Somewhere around 150, 170 something people, um, hundred, oh, sorry, 143 69% nice went with John Gray of Texas over Stevie Matz. Um, I I'm on the Matt side of this and I hate it. I think it's just a lot of John Gray hype. Where are you tied? Uh, I'm 1000% on the John Gray side. Yeah. Um, That's where I want to be. It, I, I have to be there. There's no other place for me to be. Um, and the big <laughs> Like I watched enough of Steven Matz last year to know that there's there is some good there. Um, I I would love Steven Matz on any team in three innings. I, I just don't love his stuff for five, six, or seven. Okay. I mean, when you get there and you he starts to come back around, um, there's there's some concerns for me. And I mean, it's just one of those things that uh, it seems like a ticking time bomb, right? Where he doesn't have that that elite thing right. to get him through the rough times, right? You know, good pitchers just like have that either, whether it's a splitter or a curveball or a slider, whatever it is, they have that one to get him out. And he always seems to miss that. Um, and, and while I was doing that, I was just stalling a little bit to see what his career uh, numbers look like uh, versus St. Louis. Um, oh, Matt's his numbers see... versus St. Louis. Yeah. And then I wanted to find his oh, like in the St. park. Louis. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So career numbers at Bush are not great. Um, I mean, limited data here. Uh, what's he got? A uh, couple starts, a 939 ERA, which is pretty, but only only seven and two in third inning. So oh, that doesn't that count. Explain, that could explain the inflated ERA as well. I was though, gonna say that's Steven Matz's ERA in 2020, and I'm not joking. But, it was that high in 2020. But two two starts though, like so two starts, seven two thirds innings. Not great. A um, lot of hits, bunch of bombs, a uh, bunch of walks. So, I mean, that's that's what he was. I mean, I, we do th- assume that he'll be better after the Pete Walker experience. But yeah, I, I do I do have to side with John Gray here, and, and the sole purpose of he can't be worse out of Colorado consistently. He was campy. He was a decent pitcher in Colorado, and I don't remember if it was eighteen or nineteen, but I believe it could have been eighteen. 18 with him and Freeland, whatever. doesn't matter um, where 
he had a season where he was better at home than on the road. And I think he repeated that last year. And that was one of the things where people were like, I just don't get it. However, going to Texas, even if we want to call it a neutral park, that's fine. We've also talked about how tough that division is. Just don't forget that like he's been pitching in the NL West, right? He's been pitching mm-hmm. on a crappy team in the NL West that has been taking on the legendary Dodgers that, you know, got it done once, but had elite teams year over year. Um, San Diego, who who came and went with competitiveness, or sorry, I guess, sorry, who was crappy and now is more competitive. Um, and San Francisco, who's been back and forth as well. So it, it hasn't been easy. And Arizona, Arizona was a playoff team, I would say, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in John Gray's tenure. So he has been up against tough teams and he's going into a division that is going to be even tougher. So I don't know that I want to say John Gray is going to all of a sudden have a career resurgence. I want him to. I want him to. Um, but I don't know that that's just magically going to happen because we think that as soon as a hitter leaves Colorado, they're not going to be as good. But as soon as a pitcher does, they're somehow just going to be magically better. And I know I was I was assuming and wrong that Jeff Hoffman was going to win Cy Young last year. Um, <laughs> if anyone listened in the offseason, you heard his name way too much. But it was because he was cheap. He was free. He was on waivers in 30-team leagues. You could yeah. easily get him in throw-ins. Um, and that's where you can take a chance on your final guy on your roster. Uh, John Gray not make this list. Uh, well, I tried, but it's one of those things where <laughs> I don't think he's going to start. And I actually thought of an episode, a future one. Let us know at Dinger's Pod if you're interested. Do you want to know potential starters? Not like Ross Stripling, who will start and then could be moved out. Do you want to know guys who might not even get a start next year, but they could be guys you put on your roster? So basically, they would be absolute mistakes if they're not in starting rotations and we could take a chance during this lockout period to try to find a list of you know 10 to 20 guys that might be of interest to to you the dynasty player um but you gotta let us know at dingers pod if you want to see that happen just tweet one one thing really quick on on gray before we move on i think it's really interesting like fastball is really where people do the damage against him so that to me, like the other pitches he's very good with, his numbers are great across the board, across multiple seasons. It'll be interesting to see if the fastball results change outside of Colorado. Right, if he switches right? the because, mix, yeah. Not even necessarily the oh, mix, oh, but because like just, of the, just the, the soft air. contact gotcha. into the big field or like he gives up the home runs on the fastball. Like there's a lot of things that could improve outside of, of Colorado. So for me, if you're a John Gray owner or you're looking to buy on John Gray, Watch the fastball numbers. Take a look at the average against it, the hard contact against it, and make a call off of that. But to me, I think that's if he can solve that, even fractionally, just a little bit, I think he becomes a very valuable pitcher. Okay. All right. So we're we're either on that, but I gotta be honest, I want it to be John Gray. Um, but I just feel like because of the last three years and looking at how close they've been. Steven Matz just might be more of the steady Eddie, but the upside is 100% with John Gray to be a better pitcher. It's just that if the wheels fall off, John Gray might, you know, be in the KBO in 2024. So next up here, and we also did a Twitter poll for these guys, but I think the names were just not as sexy. So we did not get as much of a response. Andrew Heaney now of the Dodgers. It's Ross Stripling. Yeah, versus Ross Stripling of Toronto. And it's Ross Stripling like SP5 with Toronto. Spent time starting last year, spent it in the bullpen, uh, spent it podcasting, not with us. And he doesn't have the dingers curse because we didn't ask him to come on, but he does have his own podcast. 
And maybe that's something for the future with Ross Tripling. Yeah. But anyway, the poll tie right now, we still got 11 hours left. So depending on when this airs, um, we, we could, we could catch fire with this, but, uh, it is Andrew Heaney, 59% to 41. And I'm with that. Uh, Andrew Heaney's numbers were not brutal. When you break it down last year, 129 and two thirds innings, eight wins, 150 Ks, eight quality starts. The ERA is the problem. It was 583, but in 2020 in 66 innings, he had a 446 ERA serviceable for your SP five. Again, we're not talking the guys that anchor your anchor, your rotation, we're talking about the guys that could be uh, anchors that sink you. What is it you call um, a thing that you put on your chest that sinks you? Oh. That sinks you like a weighted vest? But there's a name for something. It's some type of stone. An anchor? No. Well, that's why I was saying anchor. They could sink you. But um, I feel like it's oh. off topic. But it's it's the pitchers could be that to your fantasy team where they weigh you down. <laughs> It's some type yeah, of Andrew stuff. Heaney's definitely gonna be that guy. He's the new oh, really? Ross Tripling, ironically. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the reality is that Heaney is is going to be SP five, and he's going to be SP six, and possibly waived next season. Uh, that's that's how hard I'm going away from wow. Andrew Heaney. It's like you don't All like lefties. Stuff- like you don't you didn't like Alex Wood with the Dodgers. Now you're not liking Heaney with the Dodgers. What, what Alex is Wood was awful with the Dodgers. He was also an All Star with the Dodgers. Yeah, but that was half a season, and then he fell off the cliff, right? And he was awful after that. So he's been good outside of LA. And what I don't like that LA does with their lefties is they bounce them in and out of the bullpen, right? And Heaney's on that track, and to me, he's not capable of doing that. Like, look what happened to him in the brief stint in New York where he was bouncing around. It was awful. Um, yeah. Something's off with Heaney, and maybe the Dodgers can fix it, but I will take Ross Stripling in this one um, because I think there's an outside shot. They run with him till the trade deadline. Uh, I, I do think okay. they're going to try to fill that spot, but I do think that he's the SP5 without it. Uh, I don't think Pearson's ready to steal it from him at this stage of the game. So uh, I, I don't think that Stripling can be uh, removed unless they sign a free agent. And frankly, I think he could be actually a really good seventh inning guy uh, if they do shift him into the bullpen, as opposed to the long man role, which everybody assumes he's destined for. That's interesting. So the the flip happened with ERA between Stripling and Heaney, where uh, in 2020, Stripling's ERA was 584, and last year he knocked a whole run off that to 480. But the Ks are not as good, which is one of the reasons why I prefer Heaney to Stripling. Now it's close; he's close to a K per per inning, um, but he's not quite there. And, and I like I like the idea of the Jays being able to give him a run, but I don't think that's the game plan. I feel like if they could, they would like to have him as like the XP six guy so for me it's andrew heaney to start with and there's more risk i i understand that stripling was just so much better at the back half of the season where they were only using him for five innings so like the fastball was crisper uh everything was better so like if you can put him in the five out role in the middle of the game like i i love that for him i think he could be really really effective there okay well let's move on to uh, some more highfalutin talent here, Ty. We've got Dylan Cease of the White Sox, which I wasn't sure. Does he count? He his season rank with Yahoo, um, in eight eight by eight format was uh two fourteen. So I don't, you know, whatever. Either way, I think that's fine. And Clayton Kershaw. So 
uh, Cease versus free agent Clayton Kershaw. Uh, who who you got, Ty? What do you what do you think? Do you want me to tell you about Dylan Cease? Because I have to say I did not realize how many strikeouts he had last year. Do you know how oh, many? Yeah. He pounds the strikeouts. He pounds the strikeouts. Oh my gosh! Uh, I don't know the actual number, but it's it's pretty. Two twenty six in hundred and sixty five yeah. and two third innings. Holy crap! I had somebody uh, DM me on Twitter asking a question discussing the potential of trading cease. So I did the work because if you want answers, I'm willing to do it for you. Uh, you hit me up at Robbie Baseball One on Twitter and talk to me about your trade questions. They're likely going to end up on the show and in, in a conversation like this. Um, 10 quality starts, 13 wins, a 391 ERA for Cease. Those are the relevant types fantasy set seven losses, which is manageable. Um, but the K's, holy crap. I had no idea that was his potency level because in 2020, in 58 and a third innings, he had 44 K's, um, five and four record and a four ERA. So all of a sudden, Dylan Cease is like, boom, just smoking the zone. And uh, him versus Kershaw, I'm I'm going Cease. Where are you? Well, uh, let's start with Cease first because fastball slider combo is is great. It's really really good. Uh, Ninety seven average velo basically. Uh, we'll get it done. It'll set up the slider nicely, and his slider is as good a slider there is in the game. Right? It's it's one of the best, if not the best. Um, I just I cannot bet against the goat, uh, and I will always remain on the side of the goat until he retires. Um, I just have that kind of loyalty for my guys. Kershaw has been one of my guys for a long time um, for obvious reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but I just, I can't bet against him and I will bet against guys like cease in a, a Homer happy park. Okay. That's the big thing for me. Like he's in, he has a weak division and most of the parks in his division are pitcher friendly. Um, his home field is not. Um, well, so I, they, it does concern me a little losing top flight second baseman, Nick Madrigal, um, probably hurts <laughs> well, means nothing. No, no, it hurts. It hurts. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yeah, so by comparison here, and, and this is my big issue with Kershaw tie is just output. He doesn't pitch. It's like, it's like Scherzer. I love Max Scherzer. Um, I love him with the contract to the Mets, but I don't think we're going to see 26 starts in any one season the next few years. And if we do, I think mixed in with that are going to be some four inning starts, like some short ones because you want to preserve them. And Kershaw only pitched 121 and two third innings last year, uh, 10 and eight record, but 144 Ks, 11 quality starts. Damn fine pitcher. Uh, to me, Cease will, will win and be better than him uh, next year and the year after and every other year because of quantity of pitching. Now, if C starts to get injured and we're just going like inning pitched versus inning pitched. Yeah. I think Kershaw's the better pitcher, you know, the pound for yeah. pound, right. Inning for inning guy. But I think cease is going to compile more innings, which means his positive stats are going to do more in fantasy than Kershaw's. Yeah. I mean, it just, for me, like anytime somebody throws that devastating of a slider, I'm always concerned about the arm, right? Always, always, always. It doesn't matter how pretty it looks when you put that much, downward force on your elbow mm -hmm. um can do a lot of things so i'm i'm that's my big scare tactic um i, I just i i'm more loyalty to kershaw than i am logic but at the same time um i i will stick with with the guy that got me here until he proves me otherwise okay and just so everybody knows in our home league uh kershaw's on my roster 
and um, Ty was starting uh, Tristan McKenzie. Um, just rebuild, man. Just context. Just so, context not, matters. Not necessary. <laughs> not necessary. Uh, <laughs> next up, a couple of San Diegans, San, San Diegoites, San, San, Die- San Diegans. Um, we've got you, Darvish, and Blake Snell. So Darvish's line in 166 in the third innings, eight and 11 record 199 k's for 22 e r a 13 quality starts um 2020 was his like holy crap he's back year and ty was telling you all off season he's not sell him this is this is not the best um thing for darvish going forward uh this was the best of darvish and you know blake snell in a similar position but listen to this ty again crazy with the case 128 two-third innings Seven and six record, 170 Ks, but a 420 ERA. Very similar. Only seven quality starts for Blake Snell, who got like panned by the fantasy industry for his uh, inability to pitch into quality start territory for a long stretch this year. Of these two guys moving forward, obviously Snell's younger, but from a dynasty standpoint, who do you want year over year in the next three, four years? Uh, this is a toss up because. Well, like what you're going to get out of the pitcher, right? Quality is Darvish, but I think what you're going to get in terms of a longer sample, Snell's the guy. Um, for me, Snell and my brother and I have this debate all the time. We talked about this years and years and years ago when Snell was just starting to break in uh, in Tampa Bay. Who, congratulations and, and to the, your bro as well, who uh, his wife is expecting. Yep, absolutely. It's for sure his, yep. right? Yep, as far as we know, awesome. There has been no leaked story beyond that. <laughs> uh, but, but the reality is, like with Snell, like the curveball misses the zone too much. Okay, and when it's in the zone, it gets hit too hard. So that was the thing we flagged early on in his career. Like at some point, people are going to figure this out. They're going to say, "Hey, listen, wait, sit on this. Just don't swing." Yeah, right. And then guess what? If it looks like it's a fastball up, it's going to be out of the zone. So now you're left with no pitches in the zone. And that's what happened in the AL East. People stopped swinging. And when they stopped swinging, all of a sudden he was very vulnerable. Um, and Tampa recognized that. They're like, time to get this guy gone uh, and see you later. They uh, said, so, snell you later. That's what they said. Uh, I don't I don't think they said that. Snell I actually later. think he refused to talk to them because he was pissed. And then they just didn't talk <laughs> at all. Uh, but but <laughs> oh, Darvish, oh, okay. Darvish is the guy here for me, I think. If I had to pick one, even though my logic says go with Snell, um, I, I'm going to go with Darvish as a safe bet, but I do think Snell has the upside. Okay, so we've now done seven player v player, and we have agreed on one because I am taking Snell. <laughs> and the only reason that I, like I agree with what you said on the Snell point, but I just think that Snell has the ability, unlike Darvish, to create some consistency moving forward. Whereas with Darvish, he's just always in my mind going to have this like, you know, yo-yo season for me. I'm never going to be able to just consistently start him. And there were points last year where anywhere you had snow, you were just benching him because it was, you know, you're playing the fear game. But Barrios was also like that for a period of time last year, too. And I was I was benching Barrios and it seemed like he got himself right, especially once he was with Toronto and he was pitching better and better. And I was still worried about it. But but I think when you get to that point with a guy like Snell, he's got the track record, he's got the Cy Young, he can rest, make me feel 
a little bit better. And I think for acquisition, I, I bet you they're pretty close right now in like trade value as well. Like if you were to go to acquire either one, Darvish might look less appealing initially because of the age. But if somebody was to do a little bit of work and break it down, if you know somebody owned both and you were trying to acquire one, I bet you they'd be more willing to part with Snell. Um, because they think that that's a safer bet with Darvish. So that's why I, another reason I'm a gambler. I'm going with Snell. And no and hold them. Yeah. No and fold them. Uh, <laughs> speaking of um, transitions, <laughs> we've got this is kind of a, a neat one. Uh, Luis Severino, who came back last year, got a little bit of time in. Um, long, long list of injuries, but he's still youngish. And Justin Verlander, who will be back next year with Houston. Ty, who do you like? I mean, if we're talking dynasty, it has to be Severino yeah. only because oh my god, we how agree. long can JV actually pitch? Like Roger Clemens. I mean, that's that's the that's the potential for, of Justin Verlander late into the career, right? But JV's past the the starting point for steroids, so he needed to get. Get back on that train a long time ago. Hot wife, um, hot wife. Well, I mean, that's steroids in a way. But um, Severino, though, I think, to me, if you're going to say which one of these two is going to be better in a two-year sample, I'm taking JV all day. Okay. Um, so I think I'm going to answer with JV here because I think that two-year sample is going to be better than in almost all dynasty formats than the risk that you have to take with Severino for a potential four or five year run. Okay. That's fair. Now I will say uh, full disclosure in our real money auction league, where you pay actual dollars to own the player. Uh, I have Louis Severino at like 20 something bucks. Um, that hurts. It, well, it hurt when he pitched only two innings this year. That wasn't ideal. Uh, however, I believe in him moving forward to the point that when people were trying to have me kind of pay half of his salary in and trade, I wasn't willing to enter any, any negotiation like that because I felt like he's going to be able to provide the value and to give context, I am paying Shohei Otani the exact same amount of money as Luis Severino. And they are my two highest paid players. Um, and, and Shohei Otani is, is the best fantasy player. And he's so cool and so hip. Anyway, um, moving on. Yeah. So next up on the list. So I guess we're saying we're saying Severino. The the longer the term, the higher the percentage we would lean to Severino. Um, I'm gonna lean. To, I'm gonna lean Verlander. Oh my god, we just because I think agree. the two year. I, I know because <laughs> the two year sample to me in retrospect outweighs the upside of of a longer run with Severino. Okay. All right. And I think that Sevi is going to be able to come back and contribute. Uh, to the Yanks in a meaningful way starting next year, even if it's limited to like 140 innings, which I don't know why, but if it is. So next up here, we've got a couple of powerhouse arms in Lucas Giolito with the White Sox versus Luis Castillo with the Reds. Uh, Giolito had 201 strikeouts in 178 and two-thirds innings, 11 and nine record, 15 quality starts. As the White Sox and the team um, won the division, didn't do the most bestest things in the postseason. Unfortunately, Houston got in their way. Uh, oops, I just accidentally clicked on Wellington Castillo. Beef. Well, the beef. <laughs> the beef. Uh, that's that's a fun one to accidentally click on. But I meant Luis Castillo, who in 187 and two-thirds innings 
had 192 Ks, less impressive on the per inning, but still solid. Eight and 16 record, thanks Cincinnati bullpen, but 18 quality starts and an ERA just under four. Now, Castillo also had a really rough start to the year and then improved. And that is going to be buried because of his year-end ranking being north of a 1,000 in Yahoo in 8x8. That's like a forgotten guy. You know, drop him in your tight league. Obviously, you're not going to drop him. But that's like the impression that is given. Um, So if you were to pick, Ty, I think I already know the answer. You're also clicking and putting on the screen that Luis Castillo is your guy. Um, I am a Giolito man myself so yet again we do not agree here uh what is it that gives castillo the edge over uh, giolito for you his name's easier to spell you think so yeah castillo two l's castillo okay right and that's no, it I mean, right that's castillo. the only thing <laughs> and castillo. thus ends the digger <laughs> player breakdown easier yeah to castillo spell. is is just a better pitcher um giolito has his moments really similar to what we talked about off the the offset or onset of the show with nola like giolito and nola fit into the same category where when they're at their best they're unbelievable but they have to be in in that perfect sync to to get there because castillo's the type of pitcher that has ace electric stuff it dances it's elite um and and it can be good on bad days and so for me Castillo is the pick. It's a, it's a pretty significant margin for me. Okay. And I think the reason that that is a, that there's a bigger margin than I think what most people would have, I don't believe he's going to be on Cincinnati to start the season. So right. I think that's the big kicker. And I think now's the time to buy because he did. he's an ace. He's got an ace track record. He had a bad start. His numbers aren't great. His second half was, was very good. So go buy him now while everyone still believes he had a bad season. Okay, uh, I, I'm sticking with Giolito. I mean, he's he's on the better team, and like Ty said, something needs to happen for Castillo to improve, and that's moving to a better team. Um, but Giolito's already on the better team. We know he can put up the Ks. Uh, ideally, he can continue to get good receiving uh, from the catcher position, and defense can be good around him to you know help with all those fun little pitcher things that count for us in, in fantasy. And I just think Giolito's in a better spot moving forward. So agree to disagree for us yet uh, again. Next one up here, Kyle Hendricks of the Cubs, the opening day starter. Uh, or, or would you, would they give it to Stroman? No, Hendricks. They'd give it to Hendricks. You give it to the guy who's been there longer with a good track record as opposed to. Give me some Zach Davies. Run him oh. out there. <laughs> I still free agent, by the way. I was going to say, I looked to find a comparable with Zach Davies on this, and then I realized I just didn't care. And like the guy that (laughs) Hendricks is going up against is Dylan Bundy. So, just so you're aware, that's the level of interest I have uh, in Zach Davies. But anyway, Dylan Bundy, who was very good and highly ranked headed into 2021, did not get the results. He's now going to spend 2022 in Minnesota. But Hendricks, um, deceiving looking line tie, because that's just kind of how he operates, right? 181 innings pitched, but only 131 Ks. However, 14 wins on a crappy Cubs team, only seven losses, because that's how you manage it, 19 quality starts. That is going to be forgotten. Very important in your points league formats. If you are big on quality starts, Hendricks has the ability to go and repeat that this year, because as Ty has alluded to on other episodes, the Cubs although they look like they're not good, 
um, they still are going to be fine. They are not going to be, you know, an 80 win team. I don't think they'd have to walk into some things, but you get a guy like Dylan Bundy who granted pitched half as much, uh, only managed six quality starts and a six ERA, but 84 Ks in 90 and two third innings. And again, a, a two wins, right? Dylan Bundy had an awesome start in 2020, very Hunjin Ryu like where everybody was like, oh, wow, look at all the goodness. You get into a full season. Bundy, of course, did not get a full season because of injury, but he was not pitching well prior to that. Nine losses lets you know what's up. So, Ty, tell me why I'm wrong with Hendricks and you're right with Dylan Bundy. Always oh, got to take a drink. Okay. If you're going to take a drink, I'm going to crack another. Yeah. I, I, I want to pick Bundy so bad. Oh my I God. Really you're do. not going to. Oh my God. You're going to agree <laughs> no, with me. Uh, agree. Uh, uh, agree. Uh, agree. I mean, to me, what, what I'm going to say is that I think uh-huh. that I will pick, I, I'm going to make a tentative choice here. Ooh, okay. I'm listening. I'm going to pick Hendricks. Yes. Under the assumption he leaves. Oh, come if on. Not, if not, I'm going to stay with Bundy because it makes this more fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a Hendrix. I'm highlighting Hendrix as the choice. Yeah, it's got to be Hendrix. He's just a grinder. And I do love a good pitcher. Like, not just not just the guy that comes out and throws. Like, we talked about Cease before. He's a thrower, right? Hendrix is a pitcher. He's an artist. And and as a pitcher myself, I, I love to appreciate guys like that. Yeah, Every time I watch him pitch, I cannot figure out how he gets people out. It's um, magic. It's, and that's great. It's tu- it's it's tunneling, actually. Oh that's how he does it. Oh yeah, he's a tunneler. He's a he's an Elon Musk esque tunneler. Interesting. Um yeah. So that the, for me it's Hendrix, but I, I really want it to be Bundy. Okay, there we go. We have agreed as much as it hurts tied. Now let's talk about Zach, please, Zach, with Cleveland. Uh, 142 and two-thirds innings. Again, very Hendricks-like. Uh, 100 Ks in that time. A 10-6 and six record, though. And nine quality starts for the man, Mr. Plezak. And he's going up against... I mean, this is just kind of an interesting one in Justice Sheffield. Um, Sheffield with Seattle. And sorry, I'm just pulling it up here. Um he had 80 innings, 80 and a third innings, a seven and eight record, three quality starts, 63 Ks. So a little higher K per inning count, but a 683 ERA. By comparison, Ty, his ERA was 3.58 in 55 and a third innings in 2020. Um, Sheffield, I believe, was starting in that terrible May for Seattle as well. So I think that's right. I, I apologize for not making sure before. But um, I feel like he was playing with with Seattle when they were bad. Um, who do you like long term between these two guys? I know neither are like high ceiling looking guys, but that's why they're on the list. If you're trying to figure out who to slot in, maybe they're an SP four, maybe they're even like a bench pitcher. You would just roster and stream when it's appropriate. Who do you like between these two? I mean, for me, it has to be please, Zach. And I don't think it's, yep. I don't think there's enough of a track record here on Sheffield to say it can be Sheffield. Um, and, and I think the reality is Cleveland just has too much of a track record with their starters to to not assume it's going to be be the guy in Cleveland. I'm sorry. Like when, when they start selling other guys around them and you have this guy left standing, they see something. And frankly, I, I trust them. And, and I'm not ready to trust Seattle yet. 
Um, maybe maybe I'm turning the corner there, mm-hmm. but I'm still not there yet. So I'll, I'll stick with Cleveland because it's, it feels right. I I absolutely agree with you, and that's fun. It's fun to say that we agree. And Justice Sheffield is that's a streak. That is that is. Um, <laughs> it is entirely possible that Justice Sheffield does not end up as a starter once we hit the midseason point if Seattle is competitive. So there's you know there's things well, things at play here. We'll find out in the spring. Why? We'll use stats. Spring training stats, we'll use baby. Spring let's go. Training stats. Let's go. Well, let's let's talk about somebody else who his best stats have been in the spring, and that's Nate Pearson of Toronto. <laughs> um, because he gets hurt and then doesn't pitch afterwards. So uh this was another one of our Twitter polls. I have Nate Pearson versus Spencer Howard of Texas, formerly of Philadelphia, and Ty. Of the 32 votes we have at this moment, and this this poll is only 90 minutes old, so it's gonna it's gonna really catch up. Um, three to one, people want Nate Pearson over Spencer Howard. What in the sweet f are people thinking wanting Nate Pearson? Who do you like in this? I know you don't like Howard, but you can't like Pearson. This is just like a a Howard the Duck kind of scenario. You don't like it. But you're there was never a moment in the history of these two being major league drafted players where I would pick Spencer Howard over Nate Pearson. Oh, There's just not a moment. There's not a moment. That said, there was there was moments where I doubted Nate Pearson. That shifted for me down the stretch. Hmm. After he came back from the hip injury, okay, he was a different pitcher, right? So whatever he did, whether he moved to the bullpen, his yep. hip flexor moves. Nope, nope. There's something <laughs> in this lower half. He's stronger. the 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 delivery was better, more consistent, and the the velocity was was sharper. And okay. these are things that you like. You only see. If you watch the ungodly amount of baseball that I do, you can tell when a pitcher is crisper. And to me, it's the big difference between these two guys. It's, you know, when they always talk about when a guy hits a ball, it just sounds different. Yes. Well, pitchers have the same thing. And Nate Pearson throws the ball like that. And Spencer Howard has everybody thinking he throws it like that. Oh. And so that's the big difference to me is Spencer Howard is a very, very hittable high velo. Whereas Nate Pearson has some danger in his. So you would say it is Nate Pearson, the contender versus Spencer Howard, the pretender. I mean, if you, if you want to make it like HBO fight night styles, then yes, for sure. Okay. Now I will say this, um, Nate Pearson and Spencer Howard are both similar in K per nine. However, we're talking about, I think it's 80 some innings for Spencer Howard and 30 some innings for Nate Pearson over the last two seasons. 15 and 18 innings collectively for Nate Pearson and 36 Ks. Um, he's got roughly a five ERA in that point in time. And Spencer Howard is just a tick higher um, than the five ERA, sitting somewhere around six and a half uh, in that yep. time. But I will say that Spencer Howard getting time in Texas, I think he will be thrown out there every fifth day. I don't think that's in Nate Pearson's Toronto 2022 future. I think he's going to have to do something to earn every fifth day opportunities and Ross Stripling, who we've already talked about, I think is ahead of him on the depth chart. Now injuries happen. Weird things occur. I just don't think it's in the cards for Nate Pearson as a, as a clear path to playing time for sure. Um, 
So I'm Spencer Howard, and a lot of that has to do with rostering, but not necessarily starting him. Whereas with Nate Pearson, he's like roster fodder to me. I wouldn't put him in my lineup if I could. He's still going to be prospect eligible depending on your um, your league settings. Uh, if some sometimes you get in a league where if the guy's on the major league team, you can't put them in the minors. Sometimes you can use up and down all year long. Totally, you know, depending on your league. But to me, it's Spencer Howard, and of course. Ty, we've broken up. Um, we are no longer agreeing. You are saying Nate Pearson. <laughs> well, Nate, Nate Pearson had 20 strikeouts uh, in 15 innings, right? Nope. No, he had 20. He didn't strike out any in, in the main ninth outing. So if you take 2.1 out of that, he had 20 strikeouts in 12.2 innings. So that's a pretty significant gap. And and to me, the stretch down the, the last part of the season, he showed what he's capable of. Now, I'm not sure he's ready for a starter's role. Right. I'd like him, I'd like them to move him into the Garrett Whitlock role this year. Like, give me that five, like five outs, six outs. Okay. Build him up a little bit. He, the, the curveball just needs to be sharpened a little, but I'm still buying Pearson because I don't think Spencer Howard has the ability to be a dominant bullpen arm. And I don't think he's going to be a major league starter. So, um, or a good major league starter, I should say. Okay. Well, that, that I agree with Nate Pearson being on the major league roster, but not being expected to start would be what's best for him. Um, but again, I'm, I'm on similar to the Lizardo is what we talked about earlier. Okay. Those two, I think are on similar timelines. Yeah, maybe that would be an interesting one to collect a whole bunch of those type of dudes and see. But Pearson's Mm -hmm. still considered a prospect, although I'm sure all the prospect lists are going to, they're just going to fatigue on him, right? When a guy gets to that point where he's peaked and then he's, he's been up and down and whatever, everybody gets tired of those guys. They, they like to move on to the next shiny toy. Like we're going to move on. I love those guys. Love those guys. That's my favorite. That sounded inappropriate the way you said that. Yeah. Anyway, it's a lotion on the skin. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's like it puts the tensor bandage on its elbow. <laughs> yeah. That's Nate Pearson more than anything. Okay, next up, Sonny Gray versus Zach Gallen. Uh, Gallen did not have a great 2021. Sonny Gray's 2021 was, you know, okay, 155 Ks in 135 and a third inning, so not a full season, seven and nine record, a 419 ERA, nine quality starts. We know he's a good pitcher. That's that's not in doubt. It's that he's up and down and doesn't put it together. And, you know, we just don't get that, like, amazing stretch from Sonny Gray and change of scenery, much like you talked about with Luis Castillo. Um, but you look at Zach Allen, similar inning pitch, 121 and a third, 4 and 10 record, 139 case, again, similar, 430 ERA, again, similar, and eight quality starts. Ty moving forward. Which of these two guys do you like? Gallon's younger. Uh, there was that fun trade, one for one, Gallon for Chisholm, and it was like Zach Gallon came out of nowhere with Miami, got traded, blah blah blah. Um, where are you now? Where are you sitting now? Who you like? Who you like? I hate this one so much. Why? Like because I just don't like either of these guys. Yeah, like, I'm just they're neither of them are guys I roster very often. And Gallon, because of the break in, was somebody that yeah. I th- I thought got inflated value, and Sonny Gray uh, with the disaster in New York made him more i've owned him i owned him in oakland uh i made a trade in our home league it was a terrible trade and i traded justin verlander and two third round picks um for sunny gray and two like 15th round picks or something stupid like that um to trev who won the league last year but this was a few years ago and sunny gray uh was terrible 
for me. Absolutely terrible. But I've watched him since having him in the home league. And I've seen that he's just an up and down kind of guy. If you can acquire him cheap, I don't know what cheap would be in your league. You know, hit us up at Dinger's Pod on Twitter. Tell us what the offer is. Love to help you. I'd love to walk through that one. Um, but to me, I think Sonny Gray is a little bit more reliable for innings pitched, even though they might be under 150 than Gallon. I just, I just don't know what we're going to reasonably expect. Zach Gallon scares me like James Paxton scares me. That's my comparable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about the injury side, but I mean, for me, I'm going to go with Gray because I think Gallon, very similar to, um, you know, some of the guys we've talked about today, I think just doesn't have that elite put away stuff yet. Right. I mean, it, it, I don't know that it'll ever exist, to be honest, because, you know, most of his, his heavy lifting's done on the fastball and, and he gets, he has some respectable numbers on the fastball. But how long can you really survive with that being your go-to pitch, right? Like, if you don't have another elite pitch behind it, I just it's concerning. His curveball's okay. Uh, the damage done on it's not too, too bad. But I just I'm, – I'm not there. Sonny Gray just has better upside. I think it's that simple for me. Okay. There it is. We agree. Sonny Gray. Next up here, going to the young guns, we've got Brady Singer versus Casey Mize. Singer with Kansas City, part of the KC6, which is really now like two. <laughs> <laughs> One and a half. Maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, and if I'm if I'm banking more on Ace Lacey than ever, who I've always tried to like eliminate from it, but now it's like, he's in there. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, Singer versus Mize. So S Singer last year increased his ERA in a full season. So he, he, for the career, has like one full season in him. He's got 192 and two thirds innings with nine wins, 15 losses. Again, bad Kansas City team, 192 Ks, right? So he's a K, K per inning guy, which is great in a 430 ish kind of 450 ish, maybe um, earned run average in that time. And also 13 quality starts. Now I'm combining 2020 and 2021. So, and I, I did that just so you could get an idea of like what a peak full year could be um, with Singer. Right, you could get 13 quality starts. You could get around 10 wins. And as Casey's better, boy, that sure would be nice too. Um, but he also upped his K per nine this year over last year. And then you got a guy like Mize, as we all know, former first round pick. Everybody loved to crap on the fact that Casey Mize, um, as soon as he was drafted, he was like no longer as good. But um, he's got similar innings pitched. I tried to do this, Ty. I, I tried to make sure everybody was kind of similar in output. 180 professional innings or just under that seven wins, 12 losses. Uh, the K's are not there. He's got 144 K's in that time. Um, the ERA so much better last year, 371 versus his 2020 where it was 699 uh, and 12 quality starts last year. So they are very comparable pitchers to this point in their career. Singer with a big lead in K's. And I think that, Casey Mize is, I don't think that's necessarily a thing Casey Mize is going to do is catch up to him in that, but who do you like out of these guys and why is it Casey Mize? I I, I love this, this comparable because I think they're both on the same track. They're both sinker like, and, and Casey has the splitter to go with it kind of thing. But I think these are both guys that you're going to see a massive jump this year. Yeah. I'm buying both of these guys anywhere I can. I like this. Um, I think two of the these two guys maybe are maybe two of the biggest jumps that you're going to see this year um, from the young crop of pitchers. And I think 
to what you were saying earlier about Pearson, like I think they've the fatigue is on these two guys too, right? These are both very good pitchers um, that people have forgotten about. I think Mize is better because I think he has the ability to stay in the game a little bit longer um, because he can get both a ground ball and a fly ball with two different pitches that look very similar. So I think he has a little bit of a better opportunity to keep his pitch count down. He hasn't done that to date, but I think he will. Um, and that's my only thing with Singer is that I think he's going to have a little bit more trouble getting the whiff as a versus the hard contact. And so I'd like to see the jump for, for Singer on the slider this year. So for that reason, I'm going to go with Mize because I think he's closer to being polished, but I do think Singer's going to follow him. I just think it's going to be a little bit slower to get there. Okay. And I, yeah, I mean like Singer's got to be able to, keep the the guys off base as well so um yeah i I prefer singer overall but again it's super close and i just while you were chatting ty i thought what is my um former prospect rotation that i think i could acquire in most dynasty leagues i've written it down it's all guys that are on this list when we get to the end of this episode i will say who my starting five are that i would be interested in acquiring across the board these are five pitchers that I would be happy to mix in amongst my rotations um, or sorry to be like core type dudes in my rotations at different levels, both singer and miser on that list right now for me. So next up here, we've got uh formerly retired uh, Domingo Herman or German um, with the Yankees and Jake Odorizzi. Uh, let's see. K per nine was one to one last year for German in 98 innings, four and five record. Six quality starts. He did have a bit of bullpen time as well last year. And Odorizzi did not have a great season. Um, not not terrible, but I he struggled down the stretch. I'm trying to remember if he was he wasn't a playoff starter. I don't think I believe he was on the roster, but I don't know that he started. Do you recall if he was uh he was in the playoffs? Odorizzi he, he was, was in the playoffs, okay but, in yeah. 104 innings, so again, similar output 91. Uh, K's six and seven record, uh, and only two quality starts in a 420 ERA. So neither guy was killing it, but both guys have potential to be better moving forward. Um, Jermon's younger than Odorizzi, and Odorizzi is returning to Houston next year. Ty, who your boy? Um, it's gotta be Herman. I just think he's a better pitcher. It's that simple. All right, we agree. We don't need to go too heavy on this one. We've talked about the idea of Odorizzi moving um but that's not what we're taking into consideration with this particular breakdown of these two dudes next up drew rasmussen a dingers favorite with tampa bay um one of 19 possible starting pitchers tampa bay has for next year and cal quantrill with cleveland uh cal quantrill was the Sandiagan, who are one of the Sandiagans who came over um, in 2020. And then I discussed the fact that he might start and others said yes. And Ty was said, no, he doesn't have the stuff. Um, but Cleveland has done it. Cleveland has worked the magic of making him serviceable. But moving forward, Ty, uh, who of these two guys do you like? Rasmussen. Rasmussen. Ra ra Rasmussen. <laughs> it's got to be Rasmussen. Um, Quantrill's got to go. Uh, it, there's no way I'm buying Quantrill. It's just not happening. 
I I think we saw blips. I think we'll see blips again from Quantrill. I do not believe he's a sustainable elite starting pitcher. Mm. Period. Um, yeah, I agree. I, he's I, not I, elite. I I his I don't think he's a K guy. I'm gonna check in a minute. Let me rhyme the stats real quick. 76 innings for for Drew. 73 Ks, a 284 ERA, no quality starts, and he did have bullpen time. He also um, opened and like when he f- first came over from Milwaukee, there was like a thing where they were kind of like getting him geared in. Um, yeah, they stretched him out. Yeah, and and then it, it made it happen. So Cal Quantrill also finished uh, 123rd on the Yahoo 8 by 8 format overall in 149 two third innings, eight and three record, 121 Ks, 289 ERA. And 12 quality starts. Huge, huge for him from the year before where he had, pardon me, no quality starts in 32 innings. So um, I I kind of like, I mean, I like them both, but I think Rasmussen's the one that's going to be forgotten. He's going to be the one that's cheaper to acquire or you can draft him yeah. really, really late. Um, so that's why Quant- I'm going with him. Quantrill's just going to get so hyped up, right? Similar to what Plesak went through last year. Uh, but to me, Plesak's a better pitcher than Quantrill. Okay. So I'm I'm just – it's Rasmussen for me. I watched him down the stretch. He pitched a couple games against the Jays in the last two weeks, and he was a, unbelievably good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he is one of the sneakiest starting pitchers out there right now to acquire. I acquired him two years ago in an absolute throw-in, um, and I'm unbelievably happy with that because – I saw the what could be the, from the slider, and it's it's been there, and I like it. So, uh, it's it's Rasmussen for me all day. All right. So, Ty, the next one here is um, the aforementioned Tristan McKenzie with Cleveland, uh, and he is going up against a pitcher whose stat line from last year is seventy five innings pitched, a three and seven record, sixty six Ks, a three point two four ERA, and three quality starts. It is Zach Thompson, formerly of Miami, now with Pittsburgh. I believe he is their ace opening day starter. No, he's not. But um, (laughs) Jose Quintana, who also has some of those X stats that make him appear to be poised for greatness. Zach Thompson went from a position in Miami where he was going to struggle to be able to get 75 innings next year to Pittsburgh, where they will roll out a yellow carpet. It won't be gold. It'll be yellow because it's Pittsburgh. Um, and they will let him start, I think, every fifth day until he proves oh, he can't sure. do it. Well, or or they find five other starters because they don't have them. <laughs> well, they've got um, they got Quintana as long as he's healthy. But of the two between Thompson and McKenzie, and I, I, I mean, honestly, McKenzie's got a way higher ceiling than Thompson. But the difference is that I know you don't like McKenzie, so I didn't want to put like some other dude i wanted to put some work into this and talk a bit yeah. more about zach thompson because he's kind of an anomaly that he came out of nowhere late season didn't get a lot of hype he's not a prospect anymore because he pitched enough so what should we do with thompson and dynasty and what do you actually think of mckenzie moving forward um i have to pick mckenzie here i'm not ready to go thompson the wins aren't going to justify the risk right uh whereas mckenzie comes with the case uh, i think that just makes it an easy decision from from that perspective long term i'm still i'm still out on mckenzie like i i like him as a if i own him i like him as a sell this season because i think we'll see some success um here and there so find a, a stretch where he, he has a couple really good outings and trade him 
Um, that is the way I see Tristan McKenzie. I, I think this is a guy that is destined for injury problems. Um, and, and he's already had a couple minor ones. You just don't like his body because he's tall and thin. And guess what? There's 120 years of track record in baseball that suggests I'm going to be right on this. Um, it took me 15 years to be right on Chris Sale, but I got there. <laughs> yeah. And then and then Sale came back and was good. <laughs> I almost was put, he though? Was well, he? I almost put Severino versus Sale, but I was like, no, 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 Verlander. We can talk about Sale some other day. Um, yeah. So so for me, I'm with you. I I think I think McKenzie's going to be a breakout though. Um, I I think the 4.95 ERA is not true. I think his 2020. 324 ERA is far more what I think he can become. Um, but the K's are going to be huge and the quality starts. He has, he had stretches last year of absolute dominance and in points league, it was very obvious. And I talked about in season, so I won't go into it, how he had a bad stretch in September and it cost me money and cost me a championship, but he still got me there. His, his play and his time got me there. And for Zach Thompson, Going to Pittsburgh from Miami, I, like I said to you before, Ty, I think he's just going to be forgotten, off the radar guy. There, people are going to be talking about him, especially in redrafts. For everybody who's listening to us, thank you. We appreciate you. When you, if you are also listening to other podcasts who focus on redraft, you're not going to hear his name. And if you do, it's going to be like, eh, yeah. I mean, he moved over, and Pittsburgh has nobody. Like that'll be the end yeah. of like the analysis. But he's going to be able to plug and play for you too. And if he's yeah. not doing well, you can just bench him. It's not a big deal. The acquisition cost will be next to nothing. And anyone who's going to look, who's like, well, Pittsburgh will suck, so they're not going to get wins, right? Sometimes a guy like Thompson can come in and just work his way out of a loss. So if it's in a points format, you know, you don't lose the points, but you're not getting them. But he can yeah. absolutely put up 12 points per game for you. Like I completely agree. In a deep league, I, I don't think he's going to hurt you. But versus Tristan McKenzie, I, there's no way I can pick him. I, yeah. I, I like him as a as a good acquisition though in any dynasty format. Yeah, there we go. All right. So we've got two left. We are headed to the Bronx for this one, Ty. We've got Luis Gill, who came up last year with the Yankees, had some starts, uh, even spot starts, and just excelled versus Devi Garcia, who had himself a 2020 appearance and then an absolutely horrific 2021. Uh, both in like very limited time with the big league club, but also in AAA. It looks like Debbie may have taken a developmental step back. What do we see from him in the future? And for Gil, what are we thinking? Because anytime we thought Debbie was going to be SP5, pencil him in. And then the Yankees went and got like old dudes with old balls. And um, <laughs> they they pitched instead. And oh, wait, you know, you know what's funny? Is that they did get Jameson Ty on. And he doesn't have uh, two balls. Anyway, um, so <clears throat> Debbie Garcia, Luis Gill, where are you? I mean, for me, I, until I see what reason the Yankees had to pull Garcia back, what we saw out of him in the shortened 2020 season was good. My my thoughts are they're probably getting him to bulk up a little to sustain the length of a long MLB season. Right, there's very few small pitchers that have long careers, right? And there's a reason for that because they have to spin it up at a different level and they hurt themselves more frequently. So I think that is maybe what's happening here with Garcia, is I think the Yankees are being a touch cautious 
to try and build up the frame a little bit more before they let it loose on a full MLB season. Now, on Luis Hill, uh, as they say. Is that what it is? Um, yeah, it's it's Hill. Hill. Oh, geez. Pronounced with an H-E-E-L, according to baseball reference. And I've heard that on the broadcast, so it is something like that. Okay. Um, but when it comes to him, I mean, fastball, I talked about this last season, like, before he made the break into the majors, like this is a guy that I suggested had the best fastball in the minor leagues. Um, and, and it showed that when he hit the pros, I mean, he blew it by major leaguers. They weren't ready for it. Um, it wasn't his big strikeout pitch though. They actually, the, the slider was. And so my only concern here and the thing I want to see and the reason he's going to start in the minors is the third pitch. The changeup's not ready. It's good but it's not ready to be thrown at the frequency it needs to be. Okay. Um, so for that reason, I, I have to pick Gill because of the fastball, but I, I think I think Garcia could supersede him long-term if Hill doesn't develop the changeup. Okay, and I, I'm, taking, I'm taking Hill because I was very impressed with his short time in 29 and third innings, um, 38 Ks. And he had what was it two? No, he was he was into his third without allowing any runs. Is it third is fourth? Either it doesn't matter. He just he started very well, and it was impressive okay. to see. Um, and as much as I want good things for Debbie Garcia, what you just said—the concerns with the body and how it can be very difficult—those are questions that I also have about him. And even though I couldn't find a deal for him in one dynasty league. I'm I'm still kind of on the lookout to trade Garcia away and try to get somebody whose body to me might be a little bit more um, standard for the position of a starting pitcher. If that's what I'm going to do. All right, Ty <clears throat> last one, leave it, leave the best for last. Okay. We've got, this is a four way. What? Uh, AJ puck versus James Caprillion versus Brent Honeywell versus Cole Irvine or Irvin. These are four Oakland A potential starting pitchers, uh, Caprillion and Cole, or sorry, I guess, sorry, Irvin, um, both started consistently for Oakland last year, Puck uh, out of the pen, and Honeywell was with Tampa Bay and was having his first healthy season in three years. So let's just discuss, because this is fun, and like they've got Chris Bassett, and they've got Frankie Montas, and they currently have Shamanai, although there's for now, yeah, there's talk of movement there. But these these four dudes and Dalton Jeffries could enter this conversation too. Um, they could all be guys who get 20 plus starts next year. What are you thinking out of this crew? I know Puck's your guy, but if you're like spreading it out, give it up. It's Puck's, it's all day Puck, yeah, for me. Uh, Irvin, I talked about this last year. Uh, Irvin versus the righties is, is scary. Um, and so for me, I, I can't, I can't do that. Um, he gets really beat up on low ball hitters and, you know, just Mike Trout in his division alone gives him a disadvantage on pitching down in the zone. Um, I just, I can't do it. Honeywell, I refuse to do it. Uh, although I Come do, I will, I am rooting for the guy at this point. I am. Yeah. I, I want him to, I want him to make it a, because I've heard you whine about it so much and I want you to be happy about it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Caprillion is the guy for me that I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed with. I think he's the trap in this group. Um, I think the rest of the group will cost you nothing. 
Um, Kaprilian, I think, is going to get overhyped, and I think he's the biggest risk in this group. Um, but I, I think just upside alone, Puck has by far the highest. And I think all of the injury stuff that he's been through, I mean, you know, if they haven't reshaped his body by now, like shame on Oakland. Um, honestly, they've had enough runway now to fix this. Um, maybe they should get some exercise equipment thrown in with their next trade instead of a <laughs> pop machine. Um, but you know, at this, it's, I, I don't see how he's not, a, his stuff is elite. His stuff's really, really, really good. Um, a little bit of control issues. Uh, but I think he, he carries by far the highest upside. I'm, I'm going to put him in that category I did with Pearson and Lazardo, though. I think he's one more year away. So I, I think we might see a, a second half jump from Puck. Um, so if I had to pick first half of the season, yep. I, I would go Irvin. Okay. Um, second half of the season, I would go Puck. All right. So I'm going to say uh, what you just said, you were right, Ty, about Caprillion. People people don't realize the end result. They, they just remember the surprise that he was last year, but end of the end of year, you got a guy with a four ERA just over a K per inning, eight quality starts and eight wins in 120 innings. So if you're, if you're going to do the pretend he got a full year thing, that's not realistic for Kaprilian. This was his first healthy season, just like Honeywell's last year was Kaprilian's first healthy season, uh, 2020, he got a little bit of time and I was so excited, so excited when he came up because this was a guy who had like three, exactly like Honeywell, three years, constant injury, couldn't get back, couldn't do it. And then the results weren't there when he was pitching. Well, Honeywell was just like that last year. I'm assuming there's going to be some of that Oakland coach magic um, happening in Nashville, I believe is still their AAA affiliate. And they are going to be able to get Honeywell right and Caprillion who was right. And by that, I mean a totally serviceable major league pitcher, but not someone for fantasy that you're like, I'm going to lock and load and expect an impact. I'm damage control with Caprillion. The deeper the league, the more I'm cool with him or Irvin, you know, call it a coin toss, but give me Caprillion because I've just, I prefer it. Um, but to me, puck is just going to end up a relief pitcher and, it's going to be a whiff and it could be a failure on Oakland's part. It might already be a failure on Oakland's part. And to me, Honeywell is going to slot in and I, I am aware of what I'm about to say and I'm going to do it. He is going to be the best of this group of four over the next three years and four years. If he is not injured, he will perform at a higher level than these guys. That, that is that. And puck is going to end up in the bullpen and that's why he won't, necessarily be part of this conversation for me fun and i mean i mean that's cool i mean respectfully you're wrong but um we'll see he is a two-time number one pitching prospect of mine yeah but when we go when we go back (laughs) a year or two and people said the same things about tyler (laughs) o'neill Wait, so are you Puck is, Puck is, oh, Puck is oh, my Puck new is, Tyler O'Neal. I thought you were saying Honeywell is yes, okay. Oh um, god no. Okay, so did we agree or disagree on Garcia and and Luis Hill of the We year? we were both on Luis Hill. Okay, we were both on Hill. I'm just I'm setting this up here to see. So we did end up agreeing a lot more um so one two three four five six guys. We agree. I'm just going to recap for everybody here. We agree that you should go for Aaron Nola. We cannot agree between Lazardo or Sixo Sanchez, but either choice is fine. Um, 
Patrick Corbin and Boyd, we're not big fans, but we don't agree on that. So either one, Mats and Gray, we both want it to be Gray, but I'm picking Mats. Uh, Heaney and Stripling, either or. Dylan Cease versus Kershaw is an either or, but, you know, Cease might just get it by volume for health. Darvish and Snell, either or. We agree at Severino over Verlander long term, right, Ty? But two years, you were Verlander. Um, Giolito versus Castillo was either guy. Uh, Hendricks versus Bundy, we agreed Hendricks. Plezak versus Justice Sheffield, we agreed Plezak. Uh, Pearson and Howard, we were either or. Obviously, I have a lot of concerns with Pearson just being able to be healthy. Ty has performance issues with... Wait, you don't have performance issues. Um, he has uh, concerns over Spencer Howard's performance. Uh, Sonny Gray over Zach Allen. We agree there. Singer and Mize, we like them both, but we disagree on who will be better of the two. So it's a good it's a good choice either way if you get them. Demigro Horman over Jacob Rizzi. Drew Rasmussen over Cal Quantrill. Tristan McKenzie. Um, over Zach Thompson. However, they both serve a purpose and different dynasty values. Uh, Luis Hill over Debbie Garcia between the Yankees and Ty is taking him some puck and I am going to have me some Honeywell and uh, Caprillion and Irvin are left in the dust. So Ty, of all these dudes, I put together kind of a five I would be happy with. Do you need a moment to pencil in a five you would be cool with? So it has to be five off of this list. I, I think that's the best way since we've talked about all these guys. I'll tell okay. you my list. Right. And yeah, go ahead. I didn't know it was five off the list, but go ahead. So I would love a rotation with Singer, Mize, McKenzie, Rasmussen, and Lazardo. Various value levels within there, right? Rasmussen, I think we agree, would have the least value today, but a but a pretty solid ceiling. Um Lizardo would be next in line from a value standpoint, then McKenzie. And I think then Singer and Mize are probably like neck and neck where people might value them. Uh, I would love to have as many shares of those guys as I can. Now, I don't want that to be my rotation, but I think depending on my leagues, I would be perfectly happy to go into next year. If you're trying to be stealthy and like get a whole bunch of really highfalutin hitters to get it done in some of your leagues, and you can look for these guys. They would all be considered SP2, SP3s, depending on your league. I would love to stack as many of these dudes as I can. What's your list looking like? Singer, Mize, McKenzie, Rasmussen, Lazardo for me. I mean, JV has to be on my list. There's no, that's a no doubter. Uh, I'm going to put Sixto. I'm going to put Kershaw. Uh, I'm going to put Mize. And my fifth is going to be Luis Castillo. So, I'm going to do something that, it's expensive. that you didn't do. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to take the guys that have been there. Yeah. Uh, and I think this Experience. is a mistake a lot of guys make, right? Like, you know, you get, you get all excited about the guys that could be. Like, when you got guys that have been just laying there. Um, so, for me, there's there's guys that have been there. There's three Hall of Famers probably that I just picked. Um, and so, I'm happy, happy to do that. Um, given that you went youth, I'll get a little bit older. And, uh, yeah, I think I, I like that option. Uh, I added a little youthless six toe. I was surprised you left him off. Lizardo over six toe is a tough one for me. I think the only reason that I am setting six toe aside is simply because I would pick one or the other of the two Miami guys. Cause I don't think they're both going to be able to get starts. Like, I don't think between the two, there'll be 60 starts. You know what I mean? 
Like they might combine for 45 at most. Sixto's just too good. I, I don't think Sixto's a bad pitcher. I like we ranked him. I think he was both of our number one prospect pitchers last year, uh, headed into the season, but things changed within the Miami depth chart and who they threw out and things like that. So I, I had Ian Anderson. Oh, was, was he your number one? Okay. So Sixto was my number one prospect pitcher last year then. Um, and we haven't done that yet. It wasn't, who was my number one? Honeywell. Kopech. Honeywell. Oh, that was close. It's Kopech. Yeah. Both guys that haven't started. You're right. Hey, he started. (laughs) Kopech had one five inning outing, I think. One too many man buns in that that group of pitchers. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Well, anyway, we went through a lot tonight. We, we uh, did the divide and conquer, and hopefully that was plenty to help everybody else out. Um, if you have questions, you can always hit us up. We've said it before. We'll say it one more time right now at Dinger's Pod with your questions. Uh, Dynasty related, you can always DM me at Robbie Baseball One or Ty at Tourney Boss. Um, we are happy to help. We don't want to manage your team, but we want to help you manage better. And until next time, it's been Tyler and Rob.